0: But turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 4. We've used this as a text for the last couple of weeks. And I want you to look in verse 20. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Lord, that your word be strength and sustenance to our spirit. Lord, I just thank you that as we're fed tonight, that we purpose in our heart that we're going to be doers of the word. Lord, not just hearers only. In Jesus' name. Amen. Say this. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. God. Amen. That means I'm not just a note taker. I got lots of notes at home. I'll tell you, I got, I went through some notes the other day and I'm looking at stuff from, from the 94, 95. And, um, you know, you can accumulate a lot of notes over the years, but the most thing is if you're a doer. So we're going to be doers. Doers. Proverbs four twenty says, my son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they, God's words are life unto those that find them and health, or as the margin says in the Hebrew medicine to all their flesh. Verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. And so a couple weeks ago we started talking about protecting your heart. And last week we talked about Thanksgiving and how we had to protect and watch against being unthankful and ungrateful. And so... The Amplified Bible brings this out, though. It says, protect your heart. It says, guard your heart, and above all that you guard. So, you know, you're supposed to be the custodian of your own life. You watch over things in your life. You watch over um, what comes in. You watch what, what, what goes around. And, and, you know, one thing that I've always thought of is like this you set the atmosphere in your own life. Just like the the thermostat on the wall back there, we use that to, to set the temperature. Well, you have to set the temperature in your own life. And so protecting your heart is something that you'll always have to do all the days of your life. And for a few minutes, I want to share about one that's one of the most important subjects you'll ever hear. Because it's the very thing that the enemy has breathed into the human race that was found in him when he fell, when he was Lucifer. And it's one of the things that he trips people up in life, and that's pride. And, of course, the opposite of pride is humility. And so... We must have a heart of humility. Amen. You know, a lot of times when you say being, be humble, a lot of people think weakness. You know, the Bible talks about meek, being meek. And they think meek is weak. But it's actually, it takes strength of heart to be meek. You know why? Because your flesh wants to be proud. Your flesh, you know, if you, if you let it go, You'll be proud, you'll be selfish, any of the lusts of the flesh. But that's why we have to have strength of heart to overcome. And that comes by feeding our spirit on the Word of God and practicing the Word. And so one of the things we have to understand is the very nature of the devil is pride. And pride is the nature of your flesh. Who brought their flesh with them tonight? And all you have to do to be proud is nothing. Just yield the way you feel. Just do whatever strikes you, and you will be proud. You will be selfish. But I don't want to look in the Bible. Look in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 28. I mean, no, this, is, this goes back a, few, a long time. <laughs> but I want you to see the Bible tells us about the origins of Lucifer and what was going on? Ezekiel twenty-eight, and we're going to read in verse fifteen. <coughs> Actually, let's go to for, uh, to fourteen. He says, "Thou art the anointed cherub that covers, and I have set thee so." So, who, who put him in that position? Was God? He said, "You were upon the holy mountain of God." Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Now, we have to, one of the things we have to always remember is the devil is a created being. <clears throat> he's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. <clears throat> he's, he's a created being. So, you know, he doesn't know everything. He says, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up, because So what what's a big part of his sin was this. Thine heart was lifted up because of your be- thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at you. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. So what's this talking about? This is talking about the origins of Lucifer. I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14. And let's look. In verse 11. Thy pomp is brought down to the grave and the noise of the vials. The worm is spread under thee and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Now I want you to notice what he did. Mm -hmm. For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He didn't want to just be like God. He wanted to be greater. I will sit also upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you, no, no, God speaks back. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon you and consider you, saying, Is this the man? See, this is what's going to happen. When the enemy, see, people think that the enemy and God are equal opposites. They think they're like two wrestlers standing there doing some arm bar and they just got their they're ready to go, you know, and they just they're starting the match out. And you know, one's gonna give. And God wins in the end. It's not even close. The devil is under our feet, the Bible says. He's been whipped and and beaten, and the Bible says that, that Jesus put him to an open shame. He paraded him in front of heaven, hell, and the earth <clears throat> that he's defeated. And see, his victory is our victory. But see, that's what he wants to blind people to where, you know, that that he has all the power and that he's running everything. Now, he is in the lives of people that don't know any better. But once you get your mind renewed to the fact, excuse me, that, that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus defeated the enemy, then the enemy can't rule over you. Hallelujah. Notice what he says here. Is this him? Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of the prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, everyone in his own house. So we see the beginnings, the enemy, Lucifer, who took one-third of God's angels with him. And the Bible says that his, the, what, what his sin, the Bible says that he was merchandising and trafficking the anointing, trying to use it for his glory, for his benefit, and also pride. Yeah. I will. Yeah. Well, you know, God answered with five I wills as, as well and said, I'm going to do this. You're going to be brought down to the sides of the pit. But when man sinned, when man gave in, you know, originally God created Adam to be the God of this world. Now, you have to understand, see, what happened is God, of course, they were under the authority of God, but Adam ruled this world. They, he, was, he was the one put in dominion. So that's what I mean, the God of this world, under God himself. Because once he bowed his knee to Satan, Then Satan became the God of this world. The Bible says, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. So Satan is the God of this world. that's why certain things, you know, that's why we say, um, you know, because people sometimes say, well, you know, God is in control. But God is, if God is in control, then he's, he's got a lot of things messed up. But he's not in control, except what we pray we give him the authority to do. That's why we have to pray upon legal grounds, ask God to do certain things, because Satan is the God of this world. And he will be until that lease, so to speak, runs out. And so, do we today, though, have to deal with this same ugly stuff? Talking about Pride. Because what happened is one of the things that happened when Satan when Adam bowed his knee is Satan um, he breathed that ugly stuff into Adam and Eve. And so, you know, all the things they didn't even know what sin was. They didn't know what pain was. And all that came because of sin. You know, I I think it was John Alexander Dowie said this. He says, sickness is the foul offspring of its father Satan and its mother sin. Well, that's, see, that's where sickness comes from. If there would have been no sin, there can be no sickness. If, if there would have been no sin, there could be no you know, spiritual death. There could be no poverty. All that came because of the fall. So as long as you have flesh, you're going to have to deal with pride. You know, if anyone ever, if you go to a service and someone says, you know, we're going to have a, a prayer line right now for, for pride and, and we're going to cast that pride out of you and you'll never have to deal with it again. Don't even go up there. Well, unless they just, you know, kill you dead right there and you'll, you'll always have to deal with it. Amen. But I want you to look over at James chapter four. James chapter four. And see, this is a pride of the heart. This is. This is, can be sometimes what we call hidden things of the heart. Why? Because you can't see it. Jesus told Brother Hagin that many years ago, he said, I'll judge my people quicker on spiritual sins than I will physical sins. What does that mean? That means things that you can't see, motives of the heart, um, jealousy, envy, strife, you know, getting back at people. But look what James chapter 4 Such a wonderful passage. And believe me, when you talk about protecting your heart, I know personally, especially the last few years, I've had to protect my heart in this area. James 4. And let's look in verse uh, 5. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwells in us lusteth? To envy, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. I'm amazed I did not even bring these scriptures out talking about grace because it's some of the, the most wonderful. You know, this is one of the ways we get grace is by humbling ourselves. And so notice what he says. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't want God to resist me. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God. Notice that, you know, a lot of people pray and say, well, pray for me that the devil leave me alone. Or pray that, that, um, that I won't have any more trouble with the devil. Well, I can't pray that kind of a prayer. <laughs> you, why? Because you're going to have to contend with him, but he's the defeated foe. But the Bible says for you to do something. It says you resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, yeah, I know he'll flee from Jesus. No, he'll flee from you. Verse eight: Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. So, who, who does the first action? We do. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord just to show up my house. Kumbaya, my Lord. No, you draw nigh to God and you take that step and God's gonna draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted to mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Look at verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So who has the responsibility to humble and walk in humility? We do. Notice it doesn't say God's going to humble me. People say, I want God to humble me. Well, the only way he could do that is humiliate you, and he's not into that. So the humble get the grace. The humble get the grace. The proud get resisted. We'll see that here in just a minute, but... Look in First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. You know, you, you could preach on these things for weeks and weeks and never exhaust it. I felt led of the Lord for two weeks to talk about grace and I omitted the mo- one of the most important verses on grace there was. So that just shows you there, there's so much in the Bible that, you know, we, we just try to highlight a few things and then, you know, let you go in, the, in, the, in your own time of study of the Word of God and, and build upon it. But notice First John chapter 2. So we're talking about having a heart of humility. I want you to notice what the Bible says about this world and this world system. Verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father, some translations say the love for the Father is not in him. For all this in the world, what's in the world? The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I've heard someone say it like this. Um... talking about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. um, Passion, possessions, and position. And, of course, position would be the pride of life. Do you notice what what the enemy did when he tempted Jesus? He did all these. Turn this into bread. Fall down and worship me. You know, what what we see Jesus push away is what the Antichrist is going to receive. The the Antichrist is going to do the very thing that Jesus pushed away. Why? Because the Antichrist will be promised his own kingdom. And so... He says here, though, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So it's of the world, it's the world. That's the way this world is. It's all about pride. It's about me. It's about the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <clears throat> but I wanted to give you a couple different things from the Old Covenant. Just a couple Bible examples. We talked about one of these last week, but I think it's good just to bring out just a couple aspects of this, and that's from 1 Kings chapter 21. This is the story we talked about Naboth and how Naboth had the vineyard, and Ahab, um, or actually his wife Jezebel had him killed so he could take the but then the man of God came and said, you're going to die. And it says that um, him that dies of Ahab in the city, the dog shall eat. And him that dies in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. And in 1 Kings 21, verse 27, it came to pass when Ahab heard those words. And here, here's a man, the Bible says that there was none as wicked as him, that his wife. It said his wife Jezebel stirred him up. So watch about the the unholy woman that that tries. I mean, you, you see all this in the in the Bible. There, when there's a good woman behind a, a man, it it pushes him in the right direction. If there's an unholy woman there, I mean, you look at Ahab, you look at Jezebel. I mean, that's that's quite the couple. But the Bible says. When Ahab heard these words, even as wicked as he was, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the Tishbite, saying, Seest how thou Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbles himself before me. I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. So what turned this for him? He humbled himself. See, humility is about something in the heart, where where you you bow your heart. You know the Bible talks about a king um, here in the Old Testament. The Bible talked about how how wicked he was, and even his sons passed through the fire. And we we're talking about sacrifices, all these different things that he. Murdered all these people. And the Bible says that he started, there was an army came against him. And he was, his life was in danger. And the Bible talks about how he humbled himself. Why? Because he knew he was losing, that he was going to die. And even somebody that committed all these heinous crimes, (laughs) you see when they repent, how God responds to that. See, pride has a hardening effect. It, it, it has a crusting over effect. And that's why we have to humble ourselves and keep a tender conscience. We talked about the conscience just a few weeks ago. Keeping a, a tender conscience. Hallelujah. And over And um, over in the book of Daniel chapter 4, Daniel. The Bible talks about Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Daniel 437. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. Now this is after he had the Bible says he ate grass like an ox. The Bible says that he was out there and um Daniel actually had a dream and saw everything that came to pass. And within 12 months, uh, it came to pass. He was out there eating grass for seven years. I mean, what if you're riding through um, Teddy Roosevelt National Park and you see, I've been going by there the last three days, and there's a lot of bison out there, a lot of buffalo. Well, what if you see a, a man out there, crouched over? He's over there eating grass. I mean, it'd be a little strange, wouldn't it? Well, that's what happened. But but the Bible says, listen to this, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to obey. Now, if you just turn over in the next chapter, it talks about his son, Belshazzar. And this is um Belshazzar made this feast. And of course, this is where we have the story where there was um fingers that, that appeared and wrote on the wall. And the Bible says in his <laughs> it says that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against the other. Don't you think if you saw some fingers appearing on the wall, you would probably, okay, this is it. <laughs> I mean, you'd be like Fred Sanford. Hey, Elizabeth, this is it. I'm coming to join you. I mean, that's the way you feel. (laughs) But see, here's what the Bible says. If If you keep reading here, talking about Belshazzar, look in verse 17. It says, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. So what, what's happening is he's trying to, is he's trying to get um, Daniel to interpret what, what this means, what the words that the hand on the wall signified. He said, yet I will read the writing unto the king and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages Trembled and feared before him, whom he would, he slew, and whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he set up, and whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast's and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. See, that's the worst, is when you know something and you don't humble yourself. You know, there was a I heard the testimony of a, a, a great man of God. The Lord sent him to his um to pray for his um his brother-in-law. And um anyway, over years and years, um they had five children, and um what happened was um over the course of time. You know he he was into all kind of stuff, and running around with other women, and um, this minister tried to say, said you know hey, which was his brother in law as well said you know live for God. You know don't don't be like I was and I you know I got I was kick pillar to post and do something you know live for God yourself. He says I know what you're saying I know it's right but I'm not going to do it, and kept going and and. um <clears throat> He said, well, you know, that's fine. At least, you know, be like an animal or, you know, at least an animal takes care of its, you know, offspring. And he would just cry and just weep every time he's talking. He said, I know it. I know what you're saying is right. I know it. But I'm not going to do anything about it. And, um, anyway, the Lord had woke him up. And he was holding a meeting and, um. He was several hundred miles away, and the Lord told him to go talk to him. He drove in his car, drove 300-something miles. And he was talking to him and just said, he said, God sent me to talk to you. And every time he would talk, he would just, he said, I know it, I know it. And he said, he could quote more scriptures than most preachers, this guy. He said, but I'm not going to do it. He said, you know, you know. No one's forcing you to. He said, no, no one's forcing me to. Anyway, he just, he goes on and, and the guy just emphatically, to I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. That's being hard-headed. <laughs> he said, what happened? Well, he said at, it, it, I think, 57 years of age, he died cursing God. That's why we say neglected opportunities bring regret. <clears throat> but the same thing with Nebuchadnezzar and then his son. You know, you would think that his son would have learned, hey, you know, dad was eating grass for all these years. And, um, <laughs> but then he, he made it right and humbled himself. So humility is something that I do. So we have to keep a heart of humility. You know what the Bible says? Over in Second Chronicles, chapter 7. A lot of people can quote this. I'm going to just turn and read it. Second Chronicles, chapter 7. Verse 14 says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears a tent unto the prayer that is made in this place. So the Bible says, My people, not, not the world, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. So you have to humble yourselves and pray. Because you know, if you're proud, you don't. Why do I pray? I don't need to pray. Same thing, you know, people, you know, if if somebody was made a millionaire. Tomorrow or today. They wouldn't be in church on Sunday. They'd be out, you know, waxing the new yacht. (laughs) Amen. Nothing wrong with having the yacht, but just be in church. So notice he says, humble yourself and pray. So keep a heart of humility. The Bible talks about. In the old covenant, about rent the, the man of God said, rend your heart, not your garment. Why? Because a lot of people, oh you know, they they got ashes on their head and they're 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 making sacrifice, but it's just a show and it's nothing of the heart. So he says, Rend your heart. You know, and that's what humility is, and that's what repentance. When you look up the word repentance, one of the things about it, repent means to turn to change to change your mind and purpose, but also um, repentance is is a ripping away. <laughs> True repentance is painful because it's it's a ripping and it's a it, you know you're a it's a detesting thing of I don't want this in my life and you're ripping it out and just pulling it out by the Holy Ghost yeah. and it hurts yep. and so rend your heart, not your garment. So it determines, humility determines how close to God that we'll be. Psalm 138.6 says this, Though the Lord be high, how I many know He's high, yet hath He respect unto the lowly, but the proud He knows afar off. 138.6, Though the Lord be high, yet hath He a respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knows afar off. <laughs> I don't want God to know me afar off. So, humility is something that we should embrace. And one thing about it, you can know when you're walking in humility, it's bowing your heart before the Lord. But let me say this as well. Some people are proud of how humble they are. I mean, I've talked to individuals. I had, I had to talk to one individual one time, and this individual said, oh, no, you know, just something with some correction. and almost like a real, just a false voice. And, uh, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really low right now, really low. Like, like I'm going low. Well, we should go low, but I don't have to I'm not gonna be proud of it. And you know, it's kinda of like the person that won the pin for the being the most humble person in the year, but then they had to take it away from them because they were proud of it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But see, that's that's what it is. Humility, one, another thing about humility, humility is not denying the praise you feel like you deserve. Now, see, this is, this is a big indicator here because, you know, sometimes if you say, okay, Mal, you did such a great job. I mean, those reports you turned in and what you did to help everyone and such and, and such and such and such, and, you know, you did a great job, and she's thinking, well, I did do a good job. Yeah, I thought it was pretty amazing myself. You know, I thought, yeah, it was really good. But you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to be humble. So what am I going to say? No, no, it was nothing. Meanwhile, people on the inside, they're thinking, man, I did a really good job. And, you know, it was real fabulous. I thought so myself. And so what they're going to do is they're not going to, they're going to die the praise they feel like they actually deserve. So, but no, I can't because I got to be Humble. And they reek with pride. Yeah. Amen. And so how do we humble ourselves? We can just give you a couple things here. How do we humble ourselves? One, recognize him and acknowledge him as our source. That's what Nebuchadnezzar, he came to the place in his life where he said, Lord, I know that you deal uh the bible says that the lord holds the heart of the king in his hand he turns it whatsoever way he wills so nebuchadnezzar got the hard he was in the school of hard knocks and he learned that that god has a say so in men's affairs so number one we recognize him acknowledge him as a source and we realize that every good thing comes from him number two don't try to take the credit for things in your life that are the Lord. See, that's not, and see, look, when you do that, you're walking in reality, which is truth, and not just trying to be humble. So don't try to take the credit. In fact, if you read John chapter seven, Jesus says that he that seeks his own glory you know, he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. He said that right after the, the Pharisees said, how knoweth him these things, these letters, having never learned? He wasn't as trained as they were, but he spoke well. And notice Jesus didn't say, you got to pay the price. You know, while you boys are out playing, I was praying, I was burning the midnight oil. I, I was I'm serious about you know my father's business. Why? Because that's pride talking. Why? Because I'm the source of it, and if you, you you gotta do like I did and pay the price. So Jesus said he that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. You know, this is one of the real indicators of pride. How much, it's a real reality check. Listen to yourself throughout the day and just realize when you're talking about yourself, now, not every time that you say I is it pride, but it can be. You know, people are proud of their revelation. They're proud of what they know. And you know, have you ever talked to somebody and, if they have had any kind of experience along that line, they just have to tell it. You know, I just, well, you know, you, there's some things you can just sit on and say, yeah, okay, awesome. That's, you know, but pride's got to tell its side. Number three. So, how do I humble myself? And I just, this is just a, I only made a short list of these three, but show. Genuine impression with, with others have, what they do, and what they know. This is the real practical thing every day that we can do. How do I show humility? Show genuine impression. And, and one of the ways we can do that is, man, that's so awesome. The Lord blessed you with, with, a, with an awesome pickup. Man, that is so awesome. And, and praise the Lord. Not... Well why did that person get that? you mean as a devil. Why did she get that? Just look at her flaunting that dress. <laughs> whether you realize or not, whether you wanted that item or not, you just you're disqualifying yourself from having it. But show genuine impression. You know, when someone's blessed, you know, if someone says, hey, the Lord told me that. The Lord spoke this to me and, and said this. You know, if someone tells you that, y- you know, you can be thinking, oh, man, that's awesome. That's, but you don't want to act like impressed. So you say, oh, yeah, I already knew that. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Meanwhile, then so I was like, wow, that's great revelation. But you're too proud to show impression. You're too proud to say, man, that's great. It takes more humility to realize that someone else knows something that I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And just humbling yourself and say, Lord, thank you for, for and just saying, man, you know, like somebody gets blessed, say, man, that's really nice. That's awesome. You know, so like, it's like this. And these things actually happen. I mean, it's not just some figment of your imagination, but, <laughs> you know, people go in, they'll Maybe somebody got, got, got a, okay, so Dylan got a, say Dylan got a brand new pickup with all the bells and whistles, and somebody says, um, man, you got a new pickup? Yeah. Well, um, you got a new one too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's the basic model. But, you know, there's some things about it I like actually better. You know, you, don't, you just got the crank. You don't have to worry about all the electrical stuff. And, you know, it's just simple, you know, in that way. Lying dog, you'd have the best if you could. <laughs> but, you know, that's what happens. People, they, they, they kid themselves of why, why something is, maybe maybe they, you know, maybe they should just say, you know what, I ran out of money. I spent it on some stuff I shouldn't have. <clears throat> but be impressed with others. And so, humility is, Jesus said, in fact, let me I'm gonna turn over uh, to Matthew. 11, verse 28 says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, as we follow the Lord and we get closer to Him, we will become more like Him. And Jesus says, I am meek, I am humble, and lowly in heart. But one thing I want you to realize is being meek. It's not being weak, and it's not being a doormat. Because some people think, well, if I'm meek, and actually, I'll be honest. For years and years in my own life, there were certain things, and I equated it with being uh, walking in humility. So I didn't walk as bold as I should have. So I thought, you know, I'm I'm just going to be humble. Well, you can be humble and bold at the same time. Why? Because your boldness is built upon him and not some person. And it's not on the flesh. So you can be bold as a lion. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I thought, you know, what I mean is like even speaking up and saying things about something. And and offering my opinion when it could be something that helps people. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to be humble and I'm just going to. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, when, when I should have been bold and tenacious yeah. and at the same time, I could be humble about it and not be arrogant. Yeah. Amen. So you can still have the eye of the tiger and also be humble at the same time. Yeah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. Hallelujah. Good. Thank you, Lord. So this is one area that we have to protect our heart. And I mean, this is a, actually a 10-week course that, that, that we're trying to put together in one session tonight. But it's just the little things every day. Depend upon Him every day. Look to Him every day. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? I'm going to come back tomorrow and get some bread. I'm going to come back tomorrow and get some bread. I'm going to come back. You know, it's, it's amazing. Like we see the children of Israel. What did they do? They went out every day, except on the sixth day they got two, two two you know times as much for the Sabbath but that's the daily bread and that's the being dependent upon them every day. Hallelujah Well, stand to your feet tonight. I want you just lift your hands you know. Just lifting your hands is, is surrender. It's just like if if the cop stands up and says, "Stick 'em up." No, he doesn't say stick 'em up. That's usually the robber. <laughs> <clears throat> but if he says freeze, what do you do? You throw your hands up. <laughs> Throwing your hands up it is just surrender. Lord, I surrender to your will. So do you just talk to the Lord for a minute and just tell the Lord, you know, that I'm. Lord, I'm committed to do your will. Lord, I want to go wherever you want me to go. Lord, we just purpose in our heart tonight. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, the great God. Lord, you are everything. And Lord, we can do nothing without you. And Lord, we don't just presume things in our life and assume things, but Lord, we go to you and we ask. Lord, we know that, that pride assumes, but humility asks questions. And Lord, help us in our everyday life just to look and be dependent upon you. And whenever we, we feel like going a direction in life that we ask you, and we don't just assume that that's what you want us to do. But Lord, in every area of our life, that we would begin to check more and more. Lord, that we would look to you on every side, that we would look to you in every situation in our life. But, Father, we just say right now that we wholeheartedly depend upon you, Lord, for our every breath, for everything that's within us. Lord, we just worship you tonight. We give you glory. We give you honor. and We give you praise. And, Father, whenever good things happen, Lord, we're sure to give you the, the glory for it and the honor and the credit for it. Lord, when anything good comes, we know it's only because of your grace and your mercy. We know that if anything good comes out of our lives, Lord, that it's because of your hand upon our life. and We thank you for it, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for the rest of this week being supernatural. We thank you for your protection upon us, Lord, that as we go from this place, that your hand's upon us, and we bless you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.